Well, my name is Jared Curtis, and I'm here with my dad and my pastor, Steve Curtis. And so we've decided that we're going to get together and we're going to have a, a conversation. So I was telling Dad Sunday uh, after he got done speaking that one of the most frustrating things about a Sunday morning service is is to hear somebody teach and then have a question or a comment or you know hit a point that you want to talk about. And so my poor wife has to hear me whisper in her ear all service like, oh, oh, we should talk about that. And oh, you know, when he talks about this and, and it ties to this and this isn't. And she goes, okay. Right. <laughs> Didn't get a thing out of the service, did you? Because right, I'm sitting there speaking in her ear the whole time. So she's you know, not able to actually hear what it is that you're saying. And so my thought was that we could spend some time and talk about um, the core of your message and, and walk through the scriptures that you walked through. Um, maybe not all of them, but but the you know fi- foundational piece that you use to build the message on, and and maybe even point out some things that um, I might have a question about or something that we could uh, dig a little bit further into, um, and you know and just kind of see where the scripture leads us and where God leads us in our conversation. So. Um, Unfortunately, you don't have a name. Who so, are we? So it's it's just us. It can be like the seventy three dolphins, a no name defense. Right. <laughs> We're the no name podcast. Yeah. There we go. Hmm. <laughs> Maybe not. So, Dad, if you would, uh, now I'm going to call you Dad because it feels weird calling you Pastor, and I'm certainly not calling you Steve because that could get weird. Would you call me? So, uh, Dad, what scripture are we starting from this evening? Well, can, can I just kind of give some background on why I'm using this scripture? Certainly. I, uh, um, I, we're getting ready, of course, as, as we all are, starting a brand new year. And it was important for me to, um, to lay the foundation of what the church is. How, in other words, how it is, uh, what is it supposed to do? What does it produce? And what's it... You know, when you when you look at the church, what does it look like? And one of the best scriptures that I think identifies the what the church looks like is Ephesians four. Paul does a great job in this in this chapter of um, of talking about unity in the body of Christ, and because there's a lot of talk about unity, especially in the political world and in our country today, we are so divisive. We want unity. But unity, we can't have unity for the sake of unity. We have to have unity based on truth. But uh, so I wanted the church. I said, who are we as a church? Uh, in our church, we've had in, 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 in times past more of a loose, loose kind of membership where there wasn't real defined. And now we're defining it better. And the reason is one of the main reasons is, is because church isn't like it used to be. You could name a denomination and 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 believe at least for the most part it was going to be solid theologically in certain areas it's becoming sad these days because you can name a I'm not going to do that but we can name a denomination and there are question marks now and so it was important since the church that I pastor is a non-denominational church I think it's really important that we understand who we are understand what we believe understand how we're supposed to operate. 
And the only way to find that out is not by reading the latest church growth magazine, but by opening God's word, because God's word tells us what the church is. God's word tells us how the church is supposed to operate. And so that's kind of the background of where we were going as we began this new year, because later on in the month, we're going to uh, we're going to open up a book that a lot of people won't even look at, and that's the book of Revelation. But uh, so last Sunday, we began to talk about the church. What does it look like? You know, what is it? So I'm ready to do this. So before we dive in, would you like to lead us in prayer? Sure, sure. Father, we do thank you for the church. And we know that uh, the church is, of course, made up of imperfect humans, and there are a lot of mistakes. But God, in your word, you have given a solid truth that we can lay the foundation of your church upon, and that we can preach from it and teach from it and live from it. So, Father, as we open up the scripture, may it become alive to us. And God, may the real teachers tonight, may the real teacher tonight be the Holy Spirit. So may we listen for his voice. May we be true to your word. And when this time is through, may it be less of us and more of you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead, Dad. You can walk us through. We're going to start in, you said, Ephesians chapter 4? In Ephesians 4, uh, Paul is, is um, he, he, this section here is so important because he begins to lay the foundation for the church. And he begins by saying, I put my glasses on. He begins by talking about who leads the church, at least in verse 11. There, there's some other things. He's talking about walking in a manner worthy of our calling. And he talks about, you know, uh, li- there's one body and one spirit in verses earlier, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. And those are great. Me- there's a great message in just that. But he gets down to verse 11 and he says, and he gave the apostles the prophets, the evangelists, and the ESV says shepherds, some translations say pastors, which are synonymous terms, and and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So he begins by saying, here are the people, the apostles, who are the foundation of the church. The apostles were the guys who saw the resurrected Christ. Paul saw him later on after his conversion as he was in um, uh, out in Arabia, the desert of Arabia, for about three years, he he communed with one on one Jesus Christ. So the apostles are that founding uh, uh, fathers, if you please, of the of the church. Jesus Christ, of course, is the is I believe the father and the uh, the leader of the church. I believe the church started with Christ, not not, not Acts. I think it was empowered in Acts, but I think. When Jesus gives a great commission, he, I believe he's given it to his church. And then, uh, and then prophets. Of course, prophets uh, do a couple things. They foretell the future, and they foretell, foretell the future. They tell the truth. They tell of what's to come. And when the Ephesians sat down and they read the letter, of course, there weren't chapters and verses, you know, right. that kind of thing. Uh, but the Bible wasn't complete. And so... As these books in the Bible are be, being read, they're, they're adding to the canon to complete the New Testament, to complete the scriptures. And so the prophets are kind of foundational as well. 
And I believe that when he talks about evangelists, evangelist is one who shares the good news. Uh, shepherds or pastors, the pastor is the one who leads. It's a, it's a term about sheep, you know, it's, it's a shepherd. I, I lead sheep somewhere or, some, or a shepherd leads sheep somewhere. And uh, those are the pastors. We call them pastors today of churches. They lead them to, to greener grass. They lead them to the word of God and teachers who I believe pastors, teachers, you could be a teacher, not a pastor. You can be a pastor, not a great teacher. Um, but these, I believe, are the offices today that are used to lead the church of Jesus Christ. And so that's the setup there. He's saying these are the, um, these are the offices. These are the people that are going to lead my church. And, and what do they do? He's real clear. He, sa he says here, he says, they equip to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ. So, you know, if you ever want to know what a pastor is supposed to do, let me tell you first what he's not. <laughs> he is never, and although we do them, we do this all the time. I've never been called to do a wedding. Nowhere in scripture does it say a pastor has to do the wedding. I've not been called to do funerals. We do with them, but we're not called to do those things. Not called to do podcasts, not called to right. do radio program. Not, you know, we're called to build the body up, teach God's word to the people so that, uh, so that, uh, and, and prepare them to minister the gospel of Jesus Christ in a world that so desperately needs it. And for the building up of the bodies in verse 12 there. I think the word equip is really important. Like that's one of those to me that, that stands out. I, I would even go as far as to say that looking at Paul's letter to the Ephesians, he's saying that if you're not equipping, then you're none of these really, right? It's almost like you can, you can claim to be a great race car driver, but if you're not racing cars, it doesn't matter. You can claim to be, um, a, a great poet, but if you're not writing poetry, it doesn't it doesn't matter. And so we can claim to be apostles, a pro, um, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers, um, and there's a lot of discussion in those titles as to what that means today. But if at the bottom line, if if the saints are not being equipped, and there's another fun word, the saints. If the saints are not being equipped, who are the saints? Who are the saints? You want me to answer yeah, that? Okay. The saints are those who are, who are the redeemed, those who are believers. Um, you know, uh, we're sinners, lost, and on our on our way to to a, a Christless hell. And when we have been called and drawn by the Spirit of God, and we receive Christ into our lives, and Christ comes and lives in our lives. We are called saints. So you don't have to go through some kind of program to become a saint. You don't have to wait till 10, 20 years after you're dead. And you have a, this kind of religious committee who gets together and says, we pronounce you a saint. Mm -hmm. Scripture says that saints are those who are believers. Saints are those who are the redeemed. And, and that's, I mean, that's a... A huge story in itself or a huge proclamation in itself when, when you begin to think about what it means to actually be redeemed. So one of the, you know, one of the common, um, you know, common phrase you'll hear when people discuss uh, somebody that is arrogant or 
haughty or you know they think highly of themselves they say that they carry themselves around as holier than thou right? and so so for someone to call themselves a saint I, I can see how it could be it could feel kind of strange but it's important to remember how that even takes place so the good thing is you can call yourself a saint and that it's it's of no work of your own <laughs> that's you, the key you, you didn't you didn't achieve it at all as a matter of fact it's something that god bestows upon you and even more so and i think it's really important to kind of work this uh, make sure this is part of the foundational uh, a foundational piece of our conversation is that when god saves us that we are lowly sinners we are enemies of God. Scripture is very clear. There's no middle ground. We're either friends of God in his family, adopted by him, or we're enemies. So it's not that that we're great and God decides he's going to put this, this label on us, but instead he takes one that is far from him, that is his enemy, brings him into his family, saves him from the wrath of God, and saves him to God, pulls him from death, and then promotes him into, or her, into this place of a saint, one that God has cleansed of their wrongdoing and brought them in. So now, just in these couple of verses, we have this picture and this idea that we have a God who cleanses us, brings us into his family, and then he says, it's not enough that I just save you. I want to grow you. So in order to do that, I am going to assign, and, and here in Ephesians at this time, and you know, the first, I don't know, 50 years or whatever after, or like 50 AD roughly, God says, I'm, I'm going to place prophets, I'm going to place um apostles and teachers and shepherds and evangelists i'm gonna put these people here to continue to grow to equip the saints it's not a matter of being saved and then left alone but now is that that uh the process of of growing and enriching and forming us into who it is that christ would into an image of christ right because god wants us to to walk in a manner that is worthy of what God did. He wants us to emulate Christ in what we do. And so he says, I'm going to put the people there to help you get there. So then, just from that, yeah, but you, let's look there, at... There's another issue here that we could spend some time on. Who is the church for? Well, and that's, you know, that's where uh, I was about to go. So yeah, it, go ahead. Because is, if, is it... You know, one of the biggest church growth tools that has been uh, proclaimed over the years is that a church service, and I'm I'm just kind of paraphrasing this, mm -hmm. a church service is to reach lost people to come to Christ. Now, it's great in a church service when a lost person comes to Christ. Mm -hmm. Don't misunderstand me. It's always a wonderful—in fact, it's, it's why we're still here is when people come to Christ. Sure, yeah. That's not the function of the pastor or the apostles or the church. The, the function of, of the church is to equip who? The saints, those who are redeemed, those who believe. Why? So that the saints can do the work of an evangelist. 
and, and they even talked about evangelists here, those who, who would teach and train us first how to come to Christ. And there are people who have, I think are gifted in the, in the gift of evangelism. They can go out and they can share the gospel and people come to Christ. Mm -hmm. and they just have this, they have a spiritual gift of evangelism. But the church, back to this, the church is founded with offices and leaders not not to not to reach the lost within the church, but to train the church to reach the lost. Does that make sense? Certainly. When you go back to uh, the first century church, what was really interesting, so of course, back in the first century church, you don't have church buildings as we understand them today, a place that people would go and meet that was specifically dedicated to a worship service. Instead, they met in homes, and usually it was the more um, affluent uh, members of the church that had the larger homes so more people could meet there. And what's really interesting, and many people, I don't say many people, this was, I didn't realize this until somebody else taught me, is that in these services, of course, everybody was welcome. But because what they would do is they would have their baptisms together. And they, of course, you want people to see that. It doesn't make sense if you don't. But when it came time for communion and it came time for rituals that the body of Christ, the saints did, they would politely ask the non-believer to, you're going to have to step out. Or they would close the windows to the place. And it wasn't that they're horrible people, but this is something that is specific for the equipping, the enriching, the growing of the body of Christ. Now, they would love to see, and from what I could tell, that guests were always welcome. Unbelievers were welcome to hear the message. But that wasn't the drive. The drive was to equip. And so, and so I, well, you know, Paul's making that clear. for just a moment? Always, because I'm a Curtis. I didn't expect I'll just it to talking. go this, this direction. <laughs> well, no, no, I didn't expect our conversation to go this direction. It's important because of some years back, I was... I had bought in to, and it used to be called this, it's not called this anymore, a seeker-sensitive church service. And uh, because here, here's, here's why. Because I want lost people to find Christ. Certainly. I, I want the Spirit of God to convict those that are lost and for them to give their lives to Christ. And so, you know, the idea is I want to do whatever it, can, it takes to reach people for Christ. However, when I did that, the church suffered. Church suffered because while we spend our time presenting a message of salvation all the time and trying to figure out ways we could uh, manipulate the crowd, and I don't mean that in, in a bad way, but, but say the right things and preach mm -hmm. the right and give the right illustrations so that if, you know, that we could persuade and convince people right. to follow Jesus Christ— in doing that from a church service, you miss the point of what the church is. Because what happens is, you might have people who come to Christ. I'm not. I, don't misunderstand me. Right. But then you have a church that's not growing in God's word. They're not. The saints are not being made holy. Uh, they're not being separated to sanctification. And you're going to find many churches today that they've either gone to traditionalism or trendyism. <laughs> yeah. You know, they, they either go traditionalism where they don't preach the gospel anymore. They just go through the denominational rituals or they go they're They're a new kind of church where they where they where they maybe share the gospel. 
but the church is not very strong spiritually. And, and so when you look at the people in the church and you look at the people in the world, there's not much of a difference. Not that, not that believers in of themselves are better. We're sinners saved by grace. Right. Mm-hmm. But when we've been transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ, it changes us from the inside out. And so what Paul is doing here in this text is he's saying, I've got these people foundational and, and, and up to date to, uh, to train people in God's word, because you can't grow, uh, you can't grow spiritually by just doing physical things. You have to feed on God's word and you have to allow God's spirit to strengthen you. And so when we kind of get ahead of ourselves and we want to just do the, you know, the evangelism thing, and I believe in evangelism, mm-hmm. don't, don't, don't misunderstand me. I'm a high, I'm a big proponent of evangelism because of scripture are. Sure, sure. Uh, but if you have people who are not growing in God's word, they're not learning to live out their beliefs. It's not a part of their life. Then you've got people who are going to church for the for the show, right? And uh, and it may be a uh, a religious show, but lives. And if people are being saved, they're not being they're not they're not being discipled. And I think that's what we were called to do by Jesus in Matthew twenty eight. Probably. I think, I think. Did that, that make sense? Those... I didn't go off on a tangent. No, I? no, no, no. And, and I, well, I think that the importance of it is, is highlighted here by Paul when, I mean, that's, that's a number of positions. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So if it was just about, if it was just about convincing people and, and I think it's important to even really consider this. So if it's important to convince people to follow Christ a lot of the Bible has to be pushed to the side because it's it's pretty um, controversial. It's pretty uh, condemning, and and um, I can't think of the word right now. It's slipping my mind. But we can't we can't simply talk about salvation without the background, because you know there's some teachers that will say, well, you don't have to. Tell people about their sin. They know they sin. Well, that's not true, right? So they can fool themselves, right? For so for salvation to take place, one thing that I know that has to happen is there has to be an understanding of who God is and who we are in respect to Him, right? There has to be an understanding of I am a sinner, separated from God, deserving of God's full wrath because of my decisions, because of who I am. And if I don't get that, then I don't understand what I'm being saved from, right? I, I get this idea that I'm okay and I'm getting a little more. And so then we have a lot of uh, very shallow Christianity, very shallow belief systems that are easily rocked because then that God, because we don't have a clear picture of him, that God doesn't live up to what he's supposed to. So if we don't have a full counsel of the scriptures, if we don't have the people that are going to dissect the word, that are going to rightly divide it, that are going to share it, that are going to help us to understand it, to interpret it, to, um, you know, what does this mean in today's life? What does it mean for now? And, and a lot of times it's not even 
what does it mean for me now as much as it's a reminder of who I am, who I am without God, who I am when God brought me to him, who he has made me, who he wants me to be. And sometimes it's really that simple versus you know, the idea of a lot of um, uh, hyper application because uh, you know, we can take bits and pieces and, and form these these grand ideas. Here's but. what happens. Here's what we, when we use the word equip, we sometimes think educate. And there's education as part of it. But when we say equip, we're helping people to live the Christian life, understand God's word. And let me give you a, a practical example. There's a guy in my small group who said, uh, he says, I don't know if you knew it. And he was saying how long he went to the church. And he said, uh, he says, there's been four or five families that come to church because of us. Yeah. And he didn't mean by himself. And I, I said, well, what do you mean? And he said, well, we've grown so much in our faith and people, because see, here's the thing about the Christian faith. It's not just an intellectual understanding. Right. That's important. I'm not diminishing that. Uh, but we've grown so much in our following of Jesus Christ. Four or five families said, Basically, they didn't say this in these so many words, but we see a difference in your life. We want to know what you have because we're, we're hurting. And I think that happens a whole lot. And when that happens, there is, what I was going to say is when that happens, and people see that you are being equipped as a saint, as a follower of Christ, that, that uh, maybe that's the evangelist. You know, maybe this guy in my small group, we sometimes think evangelist, the guy who travels and speaks. Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe not. This guy was an evangelist. How was he an evangelist? Did he stand out in his neighborhood and say, okay, everybody come to... No, he, people saw that he lived a different life and said, we want to know about it. And those four families came to church. You know, and, and that's the power of an equipped saint. That's kind yeah. of the point. Of and when you look at the definition of learning, the definition of learning is not retention. The definition of learning is retention and application, right? So if if I'm teaching if I'm if I'm teaching a third grader edition, and I teach him that the numeral one uh, equates to one object, and the numeral two equates to two objects, and leave it at that. He can remember what one and two is, but that doesn't mean he knows how to use them. Mm -hmm. Right. And so you go into addition and you go into subtraction and any all the operations. But it's it's a way to take the information and process it, apply it, use it. It's more than just knowing it, right? That's what learning is. That's why, and, and we're, we're we're only developing third four words here. Yeah. Because okay? it says, it says, uh, he gave the apostles, prophets, evangelists, shepherds, teachers, to equip the saints for what? For the work of ministry. And that's what, that's what I just described in that illustration. Why? For what? For building up the body of Christ. When we are equipped God's word, a couple things happen here. The body gets built up. People are growing. Uh, real life change is happening. Mm -hmm. and people are seeing it. Um, and, and then he goes on to say, until we attain the unity of the faith of the knowledge of the Son of God. 
to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So, so this section here is saying when we these guys are here, people are here for the purpose, the apostle Paul, that of equipping the saints to do ministry, which will bring men, unity. And then the next part's really interesting because we live in a world, I've been really convicted about this lately, because we live in a world uh, that, and we watched this little program the other night where people say, it's my truth, or mm-hmm. it's your truth. Um, or, uh, and, and there is only one truth, and that's Christ, and, and that's his word. His word is truth. And though this next section, I don't know how far we're going to get into this, but this next section would talk about why we need to have this equipping. We want to read it now, or do you got something else you want yeah. to? Yeah, well, I was I was just going to ask one question, um, if we can kind of, or if you can kind of shed some light on it, and then we can move forward after that if you'd like to. Uh, you said in verse twelve, it says, or Paul said, and you read it, to equip the saints for the work of ministry. Can you just give us an idea of what ministry is? And I know, and I know that's kind of a weird question, but uh, we have. Human beings, we lean on our own definitions of, of words. So you can say one thing to me, but my understanding of words will dictate how I process that. So when you say ministry, and and I know that I know that you're not gonna say that ministry is just what happens on Sunday morning. Oh, I know that. Ministry does happen, you know, some mm-hmm. but real ministry, and I think what he's talking about here is not what happens in a church service. You know, real ministry happens when people are equipped in God's word, whether it's on not just on Sunday, you know, as they grow, as they are in a small group, as they, you know, then then they're learning how to take the gospel of Jesus Christ and share it with those around them, how to take the word of God and not only know what it says, but begin to live it out in our lives. To me, that's ministry. Mm-hmm. Ministry isn't, isn't you know... <laughs> I think in our in our culture and in our day and age, we use ministry like uh, trying to think of something that would that I, I'm not good with illustrations on the fly, but but uh, you know we, we use ministry as just something we do at church, and I'm not saying it's not. And then when we leave church, we don't do ministry anymore. It doesn't right. make sense. The ministry is to be administered. All throughout our day, um, whether it's at whether it's my that my friend who was in in the small group mm-hmm. and said he ministered, he was equipped in God's word, and then he began to minister to those neighbors who said, "I want what you have," and then they come to Christ, and then they grow in Christ, and so I think ministry is what is being. I'm making up a definition. I haven't looked it up in the Greek or anything, <laughs> but the definition would be uh, what we do to help us become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. We're ministering, not ourselves, we're we're using ourselves, of course, but Mm -hmm. we're ministering um, Jesus Christ. We're to become like Christ and minister as he did. And what did he do? You know, he brought, Mm -hmm. if you raise me up, I will bring all men unto you, you know, like the serpent. In John chapter three, he talks about. So, 
you know, to me, ministry is that working out of the gospel into the hearts and lives of people around us in our world. And the way we learn ministry is by knowing God better. Right. right. When we know the heart of God, we learn ministry. So for us to learn the heart of God, to learn ministry, God gave the evangelists, the teachers, right? So that's all there to know the heart of God and to replicate the heart of God as, as, we, as we live. So, yeah, if you want to keep rolling, we can keep rolling. Well, this, I love this part right here. Because as I said earlier, we live in a world where, uh, where good is bad and bad is good. Where everybody has their own truth. You know, it's like saying, I think I'm going to decide to make red green and green red. But what does that do for us when we go to a traffic light? Mm-hmm. Pretty confusion if our truth is, is opposite of somebody else's truth. Right. You know, so what do you do to stop, you know? You say stop. Well, stop doesn't mean stop to me. You know, it means go. You know, I mean, and, and that's what's happening in our world today. Sounds ridiculous, yeah. but that's exactly. <laughs> and so, and so, as we learn God's word and we grow in God's word, the Spirit of God works in us. But not only that, Satan is at work, mm-hmm. and he's seeking whom he may devour. First Peter five eight, and he's trying. And one way that he tries to do it is through false teaching. And, and, and through uh, false prophets and through uh, um, a distortion of the scripture and of the truth. And that's why this part, I think, is so important. He says, he says, I'll look at verse 13, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Why? So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. When we are equipped in God's word, we are um, armed and we are prepared to deal with false teaching that comes. Or wait, the problem in our churches today is most people don't know the Bible. You would think, you would think of all places that they should know the Bible it would be in the church. But our churches are, I think, biblically illiterate. Not all of them. I'm, right, I'm just right. speaking in generality. Yeah, kind you know. of a blanket. Uh, uh, you know, people don't know the difference between the, an apostle and an epistle. You know, the old thing is they think they're husband and wives. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but not so. And but we don't know. And so people are are scripturally illiterate, and it's no wonder when somebody comes knocking on their door and teaching them a false message that sounds good to them, that they don't know any better, that they can fall easily into. And I don't mean just that, but in, in many ways, we are deceived by what's on, sometimes what's on TV, what's printed out, books. And if we don't know God's word for ourselves, how are we going to be able to discern what's good, what's bad, what's true, what's false? We, false, we can't. That's what sanctification is is about. Well, and it's it's really important too because the truth is that Jesus isn't handing out passes on Judgment Day when you say, "Well, all right, so this is what my pastor taught me." Yeah. Now he'll have to stand for that. He'll have to, you know. James makes it clear, like yeah. And talking to these Jews that are dispersed and 
and and and wanting to serve God, he's saying, hey, there's some craziness being taught, and some of y'all don't need to be teachers because there's this responsibility that comes with it. However, it's important also to to note that, I mean, there are no excuses standing before God. You can't say, well, my preacher taught me this or whatever when he's given us the Word of God. Uh, I heard a preacher one time say, and, and and it's funny because I, I could hear you say the same thing and I think the same thing the times when I get to preach is that I would love, you know, in a perfect world to be able to, when you preach, everybody's listening in either agreement or disagreement based on what they read, right? Not necessarily being there um, to ne- learn from something they have no background knowledge of. Right, we can come to church and and I mean, there's we were talking before we started recording. There's some things that I'm not real strong in my understanding, um, but you know, if we want to start talking about eschatology, end times, things like that, I because and and I'm nobody special when I say this that I've I've read Revelation, so when we go into it, I have an idea of what's there, and now I'm prepared to be taught. And, and to test and approve and to, you know, what it is that's being shared. Um, versus, divide the word of truth. Right, versus somebody that that may not have any idea. And, of course, this isn't a knock on somebody that doesn't know the Bible. It's hopefully an encouragement and a plea. Challenge. A yeah. challenge to check it, read. Just start reading. And it doesn't always make sense, and, and but it can, and it will. Um and that's that's why it's good to be able to ask questions. You can't ask questions if you if you're not reading it. You can't. So anyway, it's, it is vitally important to have an idea of of what's going on and to have uh, some sort of, uh, if not understanding, at least familiarity with what's going on in the scriptures. Because it doesn't take much for somebody to be. You know, there's a young man who I haven't talked to in years, but he attended church. And faithfully attended church. Tragedy struck his family, young family, and that was too much for him. He said, I can't believe in a God that would let this happen. Well, because your God, the God that you understand, yeah, I would be mad at that God too. As a matter of fact, the God that you're talking about, I can't stand that God. There is no... Actually, it doesn't exist. It doesn't yeah. exist, right? And <laughs> it's, 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 it's a lie. It's a, you know, it's, it's deceit. It's it's not the God of Scripture. Um, I was having a conversation with with Jim when we were recording our podcast, and we were talking about different songs. And there's one song that I brought up that I heard where you know, young man in the lyrics, he says, he says, "You say God's real, but I disagree. Because if God was real, we would all be free." Thinking to myself. But where did you build this concept of who God is? Well, you made him up on your own. And he's not living up to your standard of what a God should be. This is a scary thing when you start talking as a human being and that I'm I'm dictating the guidelines and guardrails of who God is. Um, but but that's what it is. It's I don't understand who God is. So it's easy to fall away when I make up the God. But if it's the God of Scripture, if it's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, if it's the God in the beginning who spoke all into existence, who came to planet Earth in the form of a man, you know, if it's that God, so now we're talking a totally different story. 
And we can get those answers uh, to all of those questions, to the why would God do this, and how does God let this happen, and he, t- he, tell- he tells us. Right. Well, <laughs> and, and I was going to read a verse of Scripture I read Sunday, and you've heard it before, and we're talking about the Word of God. How do we know the Word? What does the Word of God do? When we talk about being equipped by an apostle or a prophet or you know evangelist, pastor, or teacher, we're talking about them equipping us under the inspira- under the power of the Holy Spirit. Right. You know the Word of God. So Timothy, Paul says to Timothy in chapter three, verse. Um, I'm going to start with verse. Let's see, verse um, sixteen. Listen to this. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Why? That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good so what we've talked about today, and, and and the scripture, it doesn't say, it says equip. What do you mean equip? Mm-hmm. Equip them in, Paul again tells us in Timothy, in the word of God. And when we do, we have the ability to deal with false teaching, to deal with wrong teaching, to deal with mistaken teaching. Mm-hmm. You know, we And as we grow in God's word, we learn more and more about the head, the body of right. the body. The, and that's what he's talking about when he uses the body. He's talking about the body of Christ, the church. Um, and so he, he goes and he says, and he goes on and says that we have the ability to discern and to uh, be able to see that, wait a minute. Uh, this teaching is wrong, or this, and this teaching is right, and this is what I need to embrace. And when I embrace this, I become equipped. And when I'm equipped, I'm I'm, I'm uh, fit for ministry, mm-hmm. so I can share the gospel and the and and the teachings of Christ and the teachings of the Word to people. Well, and then that in that Second Timothy three was it three sixteen three fifteen sixteen sixteen. Um, the things that Paul mentions aren't necessarily happy, feel good. Oh, right, right. Right, So we're talking about rebuke. We're talking about, you know, redirecting, right? And so what's important, though, is that's part of what we are, that's why we're a part of the church. That's that equipping process. So prior to God, well, not prior to God, that was a dumb statement. (laughs) Before God. (laughs) Before salvation, right, we are dead in our sins. All we know is sin nature. All we know is the nature of the flesh. That is what influences every decision that we make, right? And I am not a believer in this idea of a totally unbiased free will. I don't think it exists. I think our will is is influenced by one of two sources, either the flesh the father that's that's how it is right so we're influenced by one of those two all the time prior to god calling us to him there was very little influence as far as decision making by god now scripture tells us the law is written on our heart there are certain morals that we we lean into that are are kind of a a normal um they're sewn into who we are and people want to argue about that and societal this that and the other but you know, one of the one of the things that you can find across the board is in everybody's heart, regardless of society, there is this from the outside, from a stepping back and looking at your society, murder is wrong, 
transplant. Now, people lose their mind. They get in the middle of something, and they, they make a horrible choice, and they kill somebody. But that person probably at one time was like, murder's wrong. It's one of those things that we, that we know. Um, but there was nothing of us that was good, right? So then God saves us, and he chooses to sanctify us versus um, just like the Matrix and downloading things in our head. Like, I don't know if you remember the movie or not, but uh, Lawrence Fishburne was going to teach Keanu Reeves Kung Fu. So he just, you know, programs it and Keanu Reeves is like, I know Kung Fu. Right. And so it just, he just knew it, which would be kind of cool. I'm not going to lie. That would be, that would be pretty awesome. But that didn't happen at salvation. God chose to bring us to bring us to the person he wants us to be, the continual forming us through sanctification. And so for that to happen, there's a lot of deprogramming that has to take place. God has to, through his revelation, bring things alive in us to better know him. So it has to be rebuke. It has to be reproof. It has to be these things because we're not okay. And then he adds to us. He's reforming us. He's making us, right? <laughs> the sanctification process, it is that uh, that is making us holy. So the word holy doesn't necessarily mean pure. Right. It means set apart. Right. Set apart for my use. And uh, so, and, and, and this is really neat because th- now as we talk about this, we see a greater value in the church. In a church that that is teaching and preaching and and adhering to God's word. So so we talked about you know we're able to discern the 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 false doctrines and the deceitful schemes that are coming our way. Verse fifteen, Paul says this: rather speaking the truth, always need to speak the truth in love. We're to grow up in every way into Him, Christ, who is again the head, into Christ. Um, I like this because I, the truth is truth without love is brutality. Love without truth is hypocrisy. And so, and so what he says, he says, rather, rather than being tossed and, and, and caught up in false doctrines, we speak the truth in love. Uh, and we are to grow up in every way in him who is the head Christ into or into Christ. We are to grow into him from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint. And again, here's the picture of a body, you know, uh, you know, uh, hands, feet, legs, and all that arms, all that. And the head is Christ. And we're all the other parts We're you know, some are different parts anyway. Uh, <laughs> let's see by joint, uh, which is equipped when each part, listen, let me back up from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it's, it is equipped when each part is working properly. How does each part work properly is when it gets the, what the head sends, mm-hmm. you know, uh, to the different body parts. It's working properly. Um, work apart makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. So would you would you be willing to make uh, like a a truth statement that it is impossible to be 
be a properly working part of the body without being whipped by the foundation that God puts into place of the church. Let me rephrase that, because as I was saying it, it didn't make sense in my head. Would you be willing to say that if you are not equipped, you cannot work properly? If you are not connected to the body of Christ, you cannot be equipped. Cannot. Right. Cannot. So there is no Lone Ranger Christian that's working as a— that's how important the church is. Mm-hmm. See, sometimes we think the church is just a place we go to on Sunday, or the church is a building. Nowhere in Scripture is that taught. Um, but the church is the place where we connect with the head, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. through the Word. And 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 as we do that, we are equipped, we grow, we operate appropriately, the proper blood's flowing to it through, mm-hmm. you know, and and all the whatever uh, brand, uh, uh, whatever needs to go from the brain to the body. There's a better word. It doesn't come to my mind. Uh, um, and everything works. I'm moving my hands now because my head's letting me do that. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not. If it just kind of starts hitting things, and I'm not, you know, that'd be a weird video. It, it would be a dysfunctional <laughs> body. And when the church is kind of out, every doing its own thing everywhere, all out, it's a dysfunctional spiritual body. It has to be connected to the head. It has to be connected to the brain. And the head and the brain is Jesus Christ. When that happens, when we're equipped, we get better better connected. Is that right? Yeah. We get better connected to the head. The more we're allowed the blood to flow, if you mm-hmm. please, the word of God to flow in and through us. Yeah. So so if you're not being equipped, so and so this kind of puts the the ownership in again in the hands of not only the the, the shepherds, the teachers, but also in those that are, you know, as followers of Christ, we are required to be equipped, to position ourselves to be equipped, or we are not functioning as the body of Christ. One of the things that really stands out to me in, in this, and I, and I think is, is, to me, it's really exciting when Paul says, rather, Right. Instead of being tossed around, like you were saying, rather speaking the truth in love. And John tells us that God is love. God is that is not a characteristic of God. It is not a quality of God. It is the essence of who God is. He is love. So he says we speak in love. If we are not being equipped by the ones that God gives to equip us, we cannot know the love of God. But we can't understand it. We can't. We we have to be able to connect with his church. So we can't speak in truth. Or I mean, we can't speak in love because we're not growing from it. We're not engaging in the body of Christ, right? We believe that the Trinity is a real thing. We believe that it is one God. In three, we use the word persons because we don't have another word that kind of can describe that, but we believe in one God. We believe the same God that's the Father is the one who was the Son, is the one that the Spirit came, right? This is one God. So it's truth and love. We have to know him to know the love. Jesus said, I am the truth, right? So we can't speak in truth, and we can't speak in love. We can't speak the truth in love. 
if we're not connected to the head. And the way we're connected to the head is by the work of Christ, but we are grown through the work of his body, through the church. And if we are not engaged in being equipped, right, ownership on both sides, on the, the leadership that is mentioned, in the people that are listening, there is dual responsibility. If equipping is not going on, we are not being the church. Correct. Absolutely. And, and what do you think is going on in general? People are not being equipped in God's word. And that's what, you know, probably about eight, nine years ago, I've always believed in the word of God. I've always preached the word of mm -hmm. God. But now I do, I do it expositorily because I believe that people need to know, you know, we're looking at the book of Ephesians. Very rarely do I do what I'm doing now. Take some verses out and, and do that. I'm not saying it's wrong to do that, but we normally take a book and mm -hmm. we, we just kind of plow through that book because we get the full understanding of where this letter's being written or who the or who the, the this part of scripture is being written to or where it comes from and then we can then we see it how it works in the in the life of especially in the new testament epistles and how they work in the life of the, that church all these letters were not written to this this invisible church you know kind of floating around they were written to local assemblies and as we get into revelation one of the first parts that that uh, uh, that John addresses mm -hmm. through as Christ actually addresses, but but John talks about is the seven churches. Well, you find that interesting? Yeah, absolutely. That he comes to John, scares the mess out of him, right? Because yeah. he falls over like he was yeah. dead. Right. And the first thing that Jesus wants to talk about is the church. He wants to talk about the body. He wants to talk about the assembly. He wants to talk about those that are coming together, and then he talks about them in seven different settings. Location, yeah. yeah, yeah, and and dealing with each one of those, and again, that's another one of those indicators that, okay, we can't we can't just sit back and you know I I love to look up like I'll go on YouTube and I'll watch preachers and I'll watch things like you know and and it helps me to gain some knowledge. <laughs> one of my favorite things is on Tuesday nights. I have a group of people that come over to my house and they range from like 19 years old to 50 years old. And we open the word of God and we read some scripture and we talk about it. And I take that seriously on my part is I'm inviting you into my house. So I better have, like you said, the background and we're going to walk through this and me be able to tell you, okay, here's what's going on. Here's who this writer is talking to. Or like right now we're talking, we're still walking through the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus is talking to his guys and he's surrounded by these people, and here's what he's he's speaking to. Because if we don't do that, then we can get all kinds of the the crazy winds yeah. of doctrines, right? Cunning human, what does it say? Human uh, human cunning by craftiness, deceitful schemes, right? And so, but I grow, and they grow, and because we're discussing the Word of God, we're talking about Scripture. We're talking about what's going on. We're learning what the the message of God in this particular setting is, and we're learning that God wants to share that same kind of message. He wants to share that same message with us. And typically that message is, I need you to just trust me. I need you to surrender to me. I need you to follow me. 
Um, and that's not a knock against you. I love listening to you preach. No, but no. but being able to work it out and talk about it and grow. Can you imagine what would happen in the Church of Jesus Christ today if they would simply be equipped? Yeah. You see, the the church's purpose isn't just to preach you nice things or even strong, hard things. That that's important, but that you get them and you begin to read them and you begin to study God's word. You know, th- there's no preacher alive that can. I had somebody come to me one time and say, "Yeah, you're my savior." I said, "Well, then you're in sad shape." Ooh, yeah. You know what and we were? Yeah. I'm, I'm nobody's savior. <laughs> you know, I I can't save myself, so right. I you know, but. But the idea is, my heart, you know, if I die in Southeast Community Church, people by that time are being equipped and growing and learning to God's Word on their own and uh, and, and, and able to discern from falsehoods and, and untruths and speak God's truth and love and the body's built up because people are growing and unity is happening, not because for the sake of unity, but because they're centered around Jesus Christ and his truth. Uh, you know, that would be an amazing way to go. Then you just kind of go on into glory. Right. But, uh, and what I was going to say is that what would, Jared, what would happen if people would just simply get to know God and his word? I don't mean just know about him. You're not talking about that. And it's part of it. I, I don't think I hear people say, well, you know, it's it's important to know God, not just know about God. It's important to do both. Yep. You know, oh, I've heard you know, the, I'm not a doctor in person. Yeah, well, you better well, be. Was. Well, be a <laughs> theologian. You know, I don't want I'm not a theologian. Well, become one. Yeah. You know, and 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 but that doesn't mean that's all. You just learn the facts and learn the academics. You got to know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. It's not just about learning, it's about living, and sometimes it's about suffering, and sometimes it's about denying yourself and taking up your cross, and sometimes it's about just surrender and watch what he does. And so I get a little... (laughs) A little worked up. Well, Dad? Well, this has been fun. I think we... I'm tired. Yeah, we (laughs) we finished this section. And uh, I think it might be a good time to just kind of shut it down. So with that said... Why don't you um, close in prayer? We'll close in prayer, yes. <laughs> I will do that. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much again um, for your love, for your grace, for your mercy. Uh, it is still mind-blowing to think that the God of the universe, the one with whose very breath spoke everything into existence, chose to draw me to him not because of any value that I had on my own, not because I brought any value or worth to him, but instead he chose to give me value and to draw me into his family. So God, I just thank you so much this time for that. I thank you for, again, just for loving us when when we don't deserve it. And I guess hey, grace and mercy don't happen for those that deserve it. It's kind of the definition of it. And so we thank you and we love you and we thank you for your word and the opportunity we have to read your word and to know your heart, God, and, and, and to, um, to draw us to you and to build us into who it is you would have us to be for the purpose of giving you glory, God. So we ask that in all that we do uh, for the remainder of this week and all of our interactions with others, that we bring you glory, that we bring you honor and praise, and that maybe like the, uh, 
like the young man that dad was talking about, that people can see you in us, and that is what draws them, not not any uh, fantastic works or 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 uh, these great uh, examples of of creativity or or uh, any you know special uh, trait or ability that we may have, but instead they see your moving in our life and they see your work and, and, uh, God, that's just, that's what we want to see. So we love you and we thank you again uh, in Jesus name. Amen.